Hola, hola, chulas. Hi there. We are experts in intuitive eating for on-again, off-again chronic dieters, and we are here to help you take the guilt and stress out of eating so you can become the first in your family to break the diet cycle, just like we are in our families. We want you to be who you are without food guilt. Be sure to follow us on Instagram, No More Guilt for Melissa and Your Latina Nutritionist for Delina. Are you ready? Let's break the diet cycle. Hola Chula, it's me, Dalida. Before we start, I want to let you know that this episode is brought to you by Your Latina Nutrition. What you are about to listen to is not a professional coaching or counseling session. Each episode is a one-time conversation meant for educational purposes. We are dietitians, but we're not your dietitian. Remember that podcasts don't constitute treatment. If you have concerns about your dieting behaviors, seek out guidance from a medical or mental health professional. And if you're looking for a community, tools to ditch the diet, help with finding authentic health and keeping your culture alive, join my membership brought to you by today's sponsor, me. Before we start, have we told you lately how much we appreciate you? We appreciate that so many of you are out there breaking the bonds of generational diet trauma by opening your minds and learning with us. It really means something, you know? And Delina and I created this podcast because our mission is to break the diet cycle for the next generation. And we know that can't happen without you. That's why if you found benefit from this podcast, we really want you to review and rate us. You know, someone just like you is feeling really lost right now. And by rating and reviewing the podcast, you make it more likely that she's going to find the information she needs, just like you did, to break free from the diet cycle. Will you chip in with us and rate or review the podcast today? Okay, so today we have, I feel like, I always say this, like one of my favorite episodes, but y'all, like this episode, I am just like obsessed with because Jen, one of the chillers in the club, is coming in and she's talking about how she has learned to one, trust her hunger and two, differentiate between the different types of hungers and how she's able to use the tools that she's learned in the club and just in intuitive eating in general to really navigate every day and be able to just live her life to the fullest without this fear of like, why am I hungry? Why is this happening? And so we just had such a beautiful conversation and I'm just so freaking excited for you to listen to it and to really find comfort in knowing that there is absolutely nothing wrong with being hungry. All right, everyone. So today we have Jen, who is a chula in the club, and she's here to really talk us through hunger, which is what everyone fears. I feel like everybody is so afraid of hunger. They think that if they feel hungry, it's bad. And we're going to break down some of the the different types of hunger, which I guess, you know, I wanted to do this podcast with you because this is one of the most popular blog posts that Isabel has written. And so we figured let's turn it into a podcast and let's dive a tad bit deeper. So Jen, tell us who you are. Introduce yourself. Hola, hola. My name is Jennifer. I am a yoga teacher based in Los Angeles. I've been part of the Chula Club now going on five months, and it's definitely been such a positive impact on my life. So I'm super excited to sharing it. I also share intuitive eating and just my journey on my platform, my yoga platform, because I really think that a lot of people can benefit from connecting to their bodies in that way. Yeah. 
I'm just so happy that you're here. And honestly, I just love how like you talk about it. And so I was like, we need to bring Jen on here because she's like so smooth with it. And like <laughs> you're so philosophical with it, which I love. Like you, you're able to think things through in a way that I feel like a lot of us wish that we were there and it does take time to get there. Um, I think that most people think that they're just gonna read the 10 principles and be like, boom, done, I can do this. But there's just a practicality of it that you bring to it that I love. And so I kind of wanted to dive in and talk a little bit about like how you felt about hunger before you started the club like if you had to describe hunger and how you felt about it how would you have done it before the club yeah so I think I'll start where like I started intuitive eating and I started last August and I was coming off at intermittent fasting and I was like on a weekend binge and I was like spiraling And I told myself, I'm like, something has to change. Like, this can't be my life. Like, I genuinely don't believe that this is my life. And I started just kind of thinking bigger of like, what is, because at first it was like, what's wrong with me? Right. But then I started noticing my patterns. I was like, okay, on the weekends, I would loosen up with intermittent fasting and then I would just be so hungry. So then I just started like researching going on. Instagram and then ran into your podcast and your platform. And I was like, oh my gosh, I feel seen. So I think like originally kind of before, before joining the Chula club, I felt like hunger was wrong and something was wrong with me. If I was hungry, not necessarily like it's my body's cue to, to take care of itself and to nurture itself. So for me, it was like hunger always just felt so wrong because it was always like, you know, we talk about the pendulum. So it was like every time I ate or was hungry, it was always on the extreme ends. So I have this like extreme association with eating and hunger that is based on a lot of shame. And that's kind of like where I started my journey because I was like something like this is not going to be my life. I have to do something. Ah, I love that you say that because like intermittent fasting. It's such an extreme. Mm -hmm. It goes from like, like you said, it goes from one end of the pendulum to the other. And I think that, yeah, it's, again, I love how you said like you, you felt like, like the hunger just was like scary because it it is, I don't know, Melissa, what do you you want to say? I just, well, you were, so many clients have this, this experience, Jen, where I call it like breaking bad, where you're like, Mm -mm. like this, this, we have crossed the line. This cannot be, this is not acceptable it's almost this feeling of like, and I hate that it, it gets to this point for so many people. Like we don't get the help until it feels that extreme. And so that's why your example is such a good one. Cause we could talk about like, well, what would it look like to not get that extreme, that breaking bad point. But it sounds like that was the case for you where you're just like, nah, I can't live like this anymore. Yeah. And I think it's important to remember, like you shared like the shame and guilt that you felt. And there's so many people that are in that boat where they feel like they're so ashamed, so full of guilt, and they have no idea where to even begin. And I think it's important to have that grace with ourselves that we're constantly talking about that compassion with ourselves of like, this is what society has taught us. Like this is what diet culture thrives on these extremes so that you keep coming back because they can sell you another, (laughs) another diet, another extreme form of restriction that again, is just going to backfire. And then you're just, again, it's like 
repeat customers like that's that's what they love right the backfiring so that you can come back so I really wanted to talk about the different types of hunger with you because we've had a few of these conversations in the club and I just loved your responses and I was like oh my god I need Jen on the podcast and so when we talk about hunger right oftentimes people assume that hunger is just like oh I eat when I'm hungry I stop when I'm full and boom I'm done that's hunger and I think that Again, even with like intuitive eating and, you know, a lot of the work that we're doing, it does feel like it's just eat when you're hungry, stop when you're full kind of like scenario. But we don't really think about the different types of hungers that we have, which practical hunger to me is one of the most important things. And for a lot of people, practical hunger is so confusing because it's like, but I'm not hungry. So how can I be practical about it, but still honor my taste buds and still honor what I want to eat and still find satisfaction? It just feels like so hard to to think about. So I kind of wanted you to talk a little bit about how like practical hunger feels to you, what it means to you and how you've been able to incorporate it in, in your everyday. Yeah, I think for me, I've learned kind of to see practical hunger as a part of my life. Like I plan other things in my life all the time. I'm a planner, like my day is planned out and I don't see practical hunger anymore as like as like a meal preppy kind of like forced activity. It's more so like, how can my current self care for my future self? So I actually have practical hunger here because I have a grilled cheese and I had a busy morning with work. And then I'm planning, like I'm preparing myself for the workout that's ahead. So I think one of the things that like I learned in the Chula Club is like, how can you support yourself now for what you're going to ask your body to do in the future? So it's like, I'm going to ask my body to work out. I'm asking my body to show up for this podcast. I'm asking my body to do all of these things, but what am I giving back to it? I think that like, because of learning about hunger and like how my body actually feels, I'm able to like gauge now, like if I don't eat now and I do a workout and then I'm like, I'm like, I'm not going to be able to even show up for my workout. Why am I doing that to my body? You know, that's kind of how I'm starting to see it now. I love it. I had grilled cheese for lunch. <laughs> I had one yesterday. <laughs> I it love grilled cheese. <laughs> and it, yeah, it's like, it's actually cold over here. So it's like, it's perfect. And it hits like my comfort point and it kind of, it gives me the like, it's just, it helps sustain me. Right. And, and I, I have to tell you, there were some beautiful ass grill marks on that sandwich. <laughs> I know. I was, I was, I was like, like that's a, an Instagram worthy sandwich. So <laughs> the you're coming out, but there's a little like coming out from the side. Yeah. It was so very good. sexy. Very sexy. <laughs> I think, I think that Lena knows, like, I'm like, I'm really big on satisfaction now. <laughs> thanks to like, so I'm like, I'm like, I'm all about experience. If I can pack it in. You can so tell. I think like, yeah. <laughs> I wish everybody could see this grill too. Cause now like Melissa and I are like salivating. Like, mm. hubba, Maybe hubba. I'll make another grilled cheese. <laughs> you know, the secret to my grilled cheese though, is like, I put oh. it in the microwave what? for about like 10 minutes just to melt the cheese. And then when I take it out, I butter it and then put it on the grill. I'm sorry. Like 10 seconds, just to melt <laughs> the cheese. Important clarification. Yes, <laughs> there will be some explosions in our, <laughs> we are not liable for your grilled cheese explosion. 10 seconds, but that's brilliant. Cause you get that goo factor that's first. Yes. That's so smart. Heard it here. So smart. Off topic, but I just seasoned my um, cast iron skillet and smooth, non-stick, beautiful. Oh, it's so wonderful to make a grilled cheese on there. It won't have like the, it didn't have the grilled cheese marks, but it was, it was, it melted the cheese fast because it was like perfectly, the heat was right. Because right. you know, that's what cast iron skillets do. They conduct the heat evenly. 
this is taking us back to like our nutrition courses that we don't really use today, but I also want to call back. This is, I'm really happy for you because the pizza stone situation did not go well. And I feel like the cast iron situation is going better. So I love, I love love this for you. I do. I do. (laughs) But yes. Okay. So now we're going to move forward with more hunger talk. I mean, the way that you described how you are giving food to your body in order to do the tasks that you need to do is just like so beautiful. I, I wish like we could get like that tattooed on ourselves or like put it on like a, a, a vision board or something, because like it really truly is what food is supposed to do. And we have a whole episode on satisfaction, so we're not going to like really dive into it, but I think that, you know, the next thing that we really want to talk about is this biological hunger, right? Because biological hunger is different than practical. You're practically eating today right now because you know that you need to have energy for your body to do X, Y, Z, this podcast, the yoga workout that you're going to do. But then we do have biological hunger, which is that actual feeling of hunger, that stomach grumbling, that hunger that we all associate with hunger, (laughs) Like I'm going around in circles, but it's what a lot of people are actually afraid of and don't realize that once we start feeling that actual grumbling of food, want or need, it can turn really quickly on us and we can get hangry. So we really need to learn how to honor that biological hunger as well. And so I kind of wanted to see how do you do that, right? Because we've, we've talked about planning and being practical. So let's talk a little bit about how you honor your biological hunger and what that means to you now that you're no longer like in this all or nothing, like restrictive mode. Yeah, I have obviously a few thoughts about it. I think one on this journey, and I think I've spoken to you about this, Dalina, is like, I feel like the intuitive eating journey is really a journey of healing um, because it's so much more than food. And I think for myself, specifically being so disconnected from my body and then the, the, the like programming that diet culture gives to you in the beginning, I didn't even know what biological hunger felt like. So I personally use like a timer like every two to three hours of like, can you check in? How are you feeling? And the more that I kind of did that and set the time aside to, to see what my hunger cues were, I started to be able to really connect with them. So I think that was like the first thing is like, it's so hard to connect with your body, especially when you've been conditioned and programmed to think that like hunger is wrong. So the first thing I did was like, okay, let me just set a timer every two to three hours. Let me check in. And when I'm really stressed, I might do that again to remind myself to like eat and check in with my body. But now I'm actually relying on my like actual hunger cue. So like for me, it's like I start feeling lethargic, woozy, angry, like frustrated. Everybody gets on my nerves. So I'm like, okay, when was the last time I ate? Maybe I need to eat something. Um, and I think that's for me is like when I first started intuitive eating, I felt the like pressure to have to connect with the biology of hunger, because I always felt like I needed a reason to eat. So if I wasn't hungry, then why am I eating? But I think when we try to tap into our biology, I think a lot of the conditioning around diet culture comes up. And I do feel like I'm still sometimes processing that because it's been so ingrained in me. Yeah, it's ingrained that if you ate two hours ago, then you shouldn't be hungry again, because technically you just ate something, right? So there's like so much diet culture kind of like steals from us. Like that connection to our body is, 
is stolen because there's all these like rules around when you can and cannot eat that connecting to biological hunger can be very scary because it's like sometimes you will have eaten, you know, an hour before and and need food like an hour later. Like that happened to me this morning. I had oatmeal for breakfast and I drove the kids to school and I came back home and I was starving. So I had another bowl of oatmeal and it had only been an hour, but like for today, that's what my body really needed energy wise. And that can be so scary to honor that biological part of it. Like, I think that practical hunger seems weird because it feels diety in the sense that you're like planning ahead and like, kind of like, again, allowing your body, giving your body the energy that it needs to do the work that it needs to do. But biological hunger feels, I feel scary because it's like, if I feel hungry, then I have to eat. And if I eat, then I'm going to get calories. And if I get calories then weight gain is going to happen. And if weight gain happens and I'm like, it's just like you spiral out of control thinking that this hunger sensation is such a terrible thing. When in reality, I'm like, hunger means you're alive. <laughs> Literally like hunger means that you're connected. Like when you feel hunger, it, it means your body feels safe enough to tell you that it needs food because a lot of the times through diet culture, our body numbs that hunger sensation and kind of like shuts it down because it can't even trust you to eat when you get hungry. So yeah, I'm like going way deep right now, but <laughs> it's important it's though. Cause you're right. Important. Like we learn that that's something to be feared or that it's something that we can like hack and manage. Like mm-hmm. if only we just ate the right way, if mm-hmm. only we did the right things. So many people feel like they're broken because they're hungry. And I think what you're saying totally blows that up. It's like, you're, you're not broken because you're hungry. Yeah. That's, that means you're working. It's working well, yeah. actually. <laughs> it means you're connecting to your body. Like hunger is a sensation and you have to be able to feel that sensation in order to honor it. But again, when we're hacking, oh my God, the biohacking, <sighs> when we're hacking our bodies or when we're doing intermittent fasting, right? It's this idea of like, your body doesn't know what it needs. You can She's smarter you know, than hack you. Okay? it. Yeah, she is yeah. smarter than you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's like, you're telling, like you, you have, you try to control something that is so biological, like so primal, so natural. <laughs> you're trying to control something like that. I don't know. Yeah. And I, I would say like one practical hunger is a little easier for me because it's like, I'm planning it. So it's a little bit closer to diet culture, even if that's not the intention. Mm -hmm. And the thing for me with biology is I realized like I had to allow my body to trust me. Right. Like for so long, I really, and I, it's crazy because it's like, I really did feel it. Like, I, I don't know. It's like weird how my body changes internally, but I didn't feel like my body could trust that I was going to nurture it and feed it when it asked. So it was like, what, like in order for me to do it, I have to be like really extreme. Right. Cause I don't trust you to care for you. I think that that's like the biggest relationship that I had to heal was with, with myself, knowing and telling my body that it can finally trust me again, because I was relying on so many outside factors to tell me what to do for my body. That, that I often, you know, I feel like I've said it so many times on here, but like eating is the ultimate act of self-care because when your body is nourished, your parasympathetic system, your nervous system, everything can just kind of like calm down. It doesn't have to be in fight or flight mode, which is what restriction does, right? Like when you're restricting your body's like, yo, what the heck is happening here? Like it's like on edge. (laughs) 
just like, I need food, I need food, I need food, I need food. And you're constant on, constantly on edge. So honoring, you know, that hunger allows you to, your body to feel that safety, that, that trust, that, that nourishment, that it's going to be able to ask you for the food it needs to do the work that it needs to do. And it like, it's such harmony. <laughs> And I hate to use the word harmony because sometimes it doesn't work that simply. Like there's days where shit hits the ceiling and that's okay. Like emotional hunger <laughs> where sometimes your emotions get the better of you and you really just need to give into that emotional hunger to kind of like make you feel better. And this definitely is scary because everybody thinks that they're an emotional eater. And I, I'm throwing up my quotation you know, marks here because everybody thinks emotional eating is so bad that they have a problem that they need to fix it when emotional eating is a normal natural part of hunger. So I kind of want to dive into that a little bit of like emotional eating. And I know that you have a story, you know, you have stories behind that, but if you want to tell us a little bit about it. (laughs) Yeah, I think like I was one of those persons. I was just like, oh, I'm just an emotional eater. Like it's in my family. It's inherited. Wrong, 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 wrong. Right. Like that's like, but it's like, but eating is so much a part of our culture. Like, why is that wrong? And it's like, and it's because of food that I'm here today. Cause if, if back in the day, if my lineage was like starved, they wouldn't have survived. Like, why would that, why is that so wrong? And I think for myself, like emotional hunger, has changed for me a lot. And I think for myself, I'm just becoming a little bit more present of when that's the main reason why I'm eating. And it took me a long time to get comfortable with the fact that like, just for that reason, that's okay. And I think I talked about this recently in the Chula Club, like I had asked, like, I realized, like two weeks ago, I was really craving something warm, something sweet. And then it was actually my partner that like pointed out like, you know, maybe you need some comfort. Like, do you feel like you need comfort? And I was like, wow, that's, that's a foreign concept. Like I am 29 about to be 30. And like the thought of like comfort for myself just seems so foreign. Like, what can I do that's with and without food? And I asked the folks in the Chula Club and there was like some great recommendations about like a warm cup of tea, a weighted blanket. And so I woke up the next day. And I was like, you know what? Like, I really feel like the comfort I need is time with myself, time away from everything. So I booked a movie in the middle of the day, bought myself a burrito. And fortunately, like nobody was in there. <laughs> like, and it was like raining crazy, which it doesn't rain over here. It was raining crazy. I got a warm burrito and I had the whole movie theater to myself. And it was like, that's what I needed. And so like, it included food, but it was also like the experience and giving myself what I actually needed, which was like, okay, I want alone time with myself. I want to eat a burrito by myself. Like I want to do all of these things and that's okay to like want that. And it's okay to give myself that. And I think one of the things that I often think about is like, if I am eating something and I feel like ashamed or bad about it, like something sweet, for example, say I want to like hide eating it. I always like give myself or I try to give myself the compassion to say like, okay, like it seems like you don't know how you feel. It seems like you're a little disconnected. Are you afraid about eating this more boldly? And like, and what's that? What's missing there? Right. Cause I think for myself, like the hiding 
whenever I want to hide some type of eating, that's always like something for me to think about. And I'm, and I'm still working through that. I don't know necessarily like exactly what that means, but I've noticed that that's been like a common point for me is like the, the need to feel like you have to hide, which always signals to me that maybe there's something more there. I can like hug you because it's so beautiful because again, you hope for, you know, uh, you know this is exactly yeah. what we want to teach everybody. <laughs> we want people to connect to their bodies in that way. Because again, like it's, it's to me, it's like, we're talking about this, but Jen, it's taken you five months to get here. Like it just doesn't happen overnight. And it's taken a lot of calls, you know, in the club, it's taken a lot of like sitting down and like connecting and figuring out what a lot of these emotions, what a lot of these signals mean for you and your body alone, right? Like, I think that a lot of our listeners even, or maybe our followers think that they could just like, look at the, you know, post that we do, or like see our story, or even like hear this. And they're like, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it about myself. I'm going to read the book. I'm going to follow the principles. I'm going to check them off. I'm going to do all of this. But sometimes you truly need to sit down <laughs> with someone else, with a community and talk it through. And like that day when you asked that question, there were so many different responses <laughs> from everybody had a different way that they comforted themselves, that they connected with their body, that they were able to figure out this emotional standpoint. And again, it was using food and also not food. And you were able to do what your body needed at that moment, which I shared with you when you, when you wrote it down, I was like, this gives me anxiety. Being alone in a movie theater by myself gives me <laughs> Not for you. Not for me. That, that would not have been a self-care moment for me. I would have been like so ridiculously anxious. <laughs> but that's why it's important for you to connect with your body and figure it out and, and understand that that emotional hunger comes from a place of wanting comfort, of needing to feel safe, of needing either to remember some sort of happy point in your life or comforting point in your life. Food is memory, right? If y'all have watched, you know, Frozen, you know that my kids love Frozen too. And Olaf says, water is memory. Like, so is food. <laughs> so Every is freaking food. <laughs> well, Jen, like, you seem to have fun with the process. Even the way you're like, oh, what do I want? I want to breed. I want to go to the movie. Like, that sounded like it was like fun for you to discover that and land on that and actually follow through on that. I think that's an important example you're setting because I so many people look at this, like you're saying, you started in a place of shame and guilt and breaking bad and frustration. Like it's so cool that moment where suddenly this journey becomes like fun and light. It's not so heavy. It's not so like, oh, I gotta do my stupid intuitive eating work. Like it's not a drudgery. It's actually like fun to care and get to know yourself. Can you talk about that? Cause I'm just curious, like, are you always like that? Or is that something that happened through the course of the tool club with for you? Yeah, I think um, I'm a very technical person. You know, my current job is like I work in Excel spreadsheets. So what what helps me is that like this is also all based on science. Like it's not out of and nowhere. And I love there's so much about it. So like one of the main things I love about the Chula Club is like I couldn't do this alone. And having a community to tap into weekly really changes 
my day. Like two weeks ago, actually, when I asked a question about comfort, I was going through it and I was like, oh man, I got so much to do. But I went into the club and I felt so much better after. It was like, this is what I need for my self-care. So there's so many things. So one is like, I get excited about learning and there's so much to learn about myself and the science and all that. And, and Dalina does such a great job about like presenting that. Cause it's like, there is, there is a lot of foundations to this. It's not just coming out of nowhere. And I think the other point was like, I had to just come to the terms with the fact that like, I'm worth taking the time to get to know, right? Like I'm worth taking the time to like care for myself. Like what, who else is going to do it? And I think because I started from a place where I was like, at a real low, I was like, there's nowhere else for me to go. So the process is going to be ugly. It's going to be brutal. And it's, and it has happened over time because I started reading the intuitive eating book, the latest edition. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm not even anywhere near past step one. <laughs> like, <laughs> I had to spend a long time like dismantling diet culture. And I think it's fair to say that like most of your time in your experience, you're going to kind of be going through all of them at the same time, all of the steps through intuitive eating and different times. And I had to kind of just let go of this idea around perfection because that is part of the diet culture. Right. So it's like every time these thoughts come up around the process around it, I always have to go back to like, okay, what is the root idea? Right. And we talk about reframe a lot in Chula Club. It's like, what is this root idea? And, you know, I'll be honest, it wasn't easy for me to decide to go to the movies, you know, like running my own business too is like, I don't feel like I have the time. But I always realize that, and it's no different than yoga, like no time on your mat is a waste of time. So like no time caring for yourself is a waste of time. So because I took the time to like care for myself, it wasn't like a big deal anymore. Right. Like that's kind of how I see it now. That belief feels important that listeners could borrow that. Like maybe you don't know all the the steps and maybe you haven't done all the learning that Jen has done, but if you have a fundamental belief that you are worth your own time, that's a game changer. Like what's not possible when you have that idea. So I'm so thankful you shared that core belief that you, you seem to tap into. Cause then from there, that's how the support and the time that like programs offer, that's how that becomes alive. But if you don't believe you're worth your own time, eh, where do we begin? You know? Yeah. And one of the things like, it's like, I've, it's like, I always used to think like tap into your why was such bullshit, but I'm sorry. I don't know if I can say that. No, no, you can't. Okay. But it is. It's like, it it can feel very, and you know what? Weight loss programs love to friggin' do this. Like tap into your why. So I, I totally get that feeling of like, shut up. Don't make me tap into my why. Yeah. And and the and the point is like my why has evolved. My first why come like coming into intuitive eating last August was like, I just want to stop hating myself. Like, yeah. And I'm keeping it real. Like I was just like, I'm just tired. And then three months into the process, I was like, okay, now I'm tired of being mean to myself. Because I had a moment walking into my bedroom where I was just like, wow, like if anybody talked to me the way that I talk to myself, like it would be hands on site. Like it would be, it, it would be a problem. And like, but I do that to myself every single day. So like my why has evolved. And I think like giving yourself the grace to like transform in the process has been super helpful. And I think like tapping into the Chula Club weekly is like, I have my weeks too. Like some weeks I'm just like, this whole thing is a lot. And, and I will say that like doing the work is hard because it's still work. 
right? And I felt like in the beginning, like I was so burdened by nourishing myself. Honestly, I was like, I'm so tired of having to feed myself. Like, I'm just so tired. Like, and, and that was like part of my process too. Like, it's okay to like feel overwhelmed by the work that is required to undo so much of what we've been taught and actually like learn something new. Cause I took a biology class in college around nutrition. That was like my biology class. And it was like nothing around intuitive eating was spoken about nothing about, it was just like calories in calories out. That was it. (laughs) That's all I learned. Yeah. And and I love that you're talking about your why and how it's evolved. Cause I think it's also important to remember and realize that it will continue to evolve. But what the beauty of what you learn and the tools that you have now is that every time that why changes, you will have the tools to be able to find that why and accomplish that why, because this is what differentiates this from diet culture is that you are actually learning actionable. I don't want to say steps because it's not even steps. It's tools that you can utilize for life. And no matter what gets thrown at you, you can take what you've learned and, and reframe it and use it towards that new why. And I think that it, that's the beauty of this, that it's not, that it isn't an end point. It is a continue to grow and evolve with the tools that you've learned. So I love that you shared that. You're so eloquent (laughs) when you speak. (laughs) I love it. I love it. I love it. Yeah, I love talking. You could tell. (laughs) I know you do. I know you. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, this just like wraps it all up and, and, and really brings the point of cross that like hunger is, it's not just hunger and the, like, my stomach is grumbling way. It's really a lot of like the practicality, the emotions behind it, the biology behind it, but also it is the ultimate act of self-care. It is literally how you can make your body start feeling safe today and start feeling nourished today and that's going to look different for everybody and that's okay too (laughs) so yay Jen thank you so much for being here with us and I don't know if you want to plug your your IG real quick so the the two lads listening can learn some of the yoga moves from you yeah so you can find me on Instagram at soul empowered yoga also on YouTube soul empowered yoga I offer free classes and a few tips and tricks on how to customize yoga poses to fit your bodies and your needs in the moment thank you so much this is so wonderful I feel like we could we could have probably talked about this for like a full hour but we're going to keep our listeners in mind yeah I leave leave inspired by you and the grilled cheese moments (laughs) this is paid me back with your times. I appreciate you. (laughs) No, I appreciate you both. Thank you, Melissa and Alina. You know, I'll see you very soon with more questions. (laughs) (laughs) Bye. Thank you so much. All right, Chula. So you just listened to a beautiful episode with Jen and how she has incorporated the tools that she has, you know, learned by working with me. And throughout her, you know, journey with intuitive eating, which did not start with me, it started on her own. And now she is able to, again, use these tools for the rest of her life, because that's really what we want to teach you, right? Learn these tools and be able to take them throughout life and wherever it takes you. So I want you to think about how this makes you feel. And if you feel like you're lost 
don't know where to go, have so many questions, then this is an opportunity for you to come work with us in the Chula Club. Come and learn what it feels like to heal your relationship with food and to really, really live your life to the fullest and stop being afraid of hunger and also find health on your own freaking terms. So if you're here, if you're listening and you're ready, we are always welcoming you chulas and we'd love to see you there. Thanks for being here and for being who you are. Peace, love, and break the diet cycle.